This is the Get Your Goat Podcast, and Josh Morani is here with you. It is nice to be here with you all on the Get Your Goat Show. What a weekend of sports it has been, and mostly a weekend of football. The NFC Championship game and the AFC Championship games were on yesterday, and the Super Bowl has been determined. Two teams are left out of the 32 teams in the NFL. The two teams that have made it are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. What a thrilling matchup that that will be. But first, how did these teams get here? What happened yesterday? I'm here to break it down for you. That's what I'm going to do. Luca isn't here with me today. Uh, he went AWOL playing Rocket League, so you won't get any, any crazy takes from him today. He might listen later, and then he might want to pop on for a future podcast and debate something. So this is going to be original, unadulterated takes by me, all by me. No Luca here, so let's get into it. First, the NFC Championship game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers. And what a thrilling game that was. That game was so fun to watch. I picked the Bucks to win, and they won. Uh, Luca picked the Bucks to win, and they did win. And what a thrilling game it turned out to be. The back and forth uh, was simply amazing, and... I wanted to mention this on the Friday podcast before, but I didn't mention it. Is uh, the week before was Aaron or my bad Tom Brady versus Drew Brees, two of the all-time greats, two of the quarterbacks who are my top five who I mentioned. Tom Brady being the goat and Drew Brees being below there. But this matchup to me was even better this year because Aaron Rodgers played at such a high level this year and proved that this year he was better than Drew Brees. And so really, this was a quarterback matchup to watch between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady with so much on the line, a trip to the Super Bowl. There was more on the line for Aaron Rodgers, I believe. I thought that Tom Brady already cemented his case as a GOAT, as I've outlined before. Uh, he's the best of all time, greatest of all time to ever do it. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers had a chance uh, to really jump a lot of players on the GOAT list, uh, catch up to Tom Brady, uh, draw within striking distance with a win, a head-to-head win in the playoffs against him, get to a Super Bowl possible win. That would have been huge for his legacy, and he failed. Uh, he could not beat Tom Brady in the NFC Championship game where it matters most. He choked yesterday, and he's lost yet another NFC Championship two years in a row, and then four straight of NFC Championships, not four years in a row, but he's been in it a total of five times the past four. He has not won, and he has not looked impressive at all in any of the championship, NFC Championships that he's played. But Tom Brady is now cemented is the greatest of all time. There has been people that haven't mentioned it, 
haven't wanted to say it, ignored the fact, uh, put him, argue, oh, he's arguably the greatest of all time, oh, arguably maybe the greatest quarterback of all time, oh, arguably. But yesterday, after yesterday's win, it seems like it has cemented his legacy as the greatest of all time, not just to me, because it was already cemented, but it has essentially cemented it to everybody. I'd say 99% of the people that watch sports, watch football, believe that now, after yesterday's performance, that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. And if you don't think that, uh, you're not just a hater, but you're not a fan of football, and you don't realize how unlikely what Tom Brady has done in his lifetime will ever happen again. I'm a huge Patrick Mahomes fan. Love Patrick Mahomes. Love rooting for Patrick Mahomes. But it is very unlikely that he will repeat Tom's success going to 10 Super Bowls in the 21 seasons that Tom Brady has done it. It is very unlikely for Patrick Mahomes to do that. Is he off to a great start? Yes, he is. But you have to consider that not all that talent is going to be around him all the time. Whereas for Brady, uh, he's had players shuffle in and throughout the lineup all the time. New team. And he's done it. He's done it once again. And to me, this was his best performance in a playoff game. Uh, Not including the Super Bowl. To me, his best Super Bowl performance is definitely his... Uh, one against the Eagles, where he did lose that game, and then also against the Falcons, where he won. He's had best, better Super Bowl moments, but yesterday, with the odds stacked against him, it was so good. That win was so great for Tom Brady and his legacy. And this is what I mean by that. It was so tough to get to this point, because he's never uh, been, been to the Super Bowl, uh, starting from the wild card, being a wild card team. Uh, this was something that was brought up last year, and guess what? Choked him a wild card game, lost in the first round to the Tennessee Titans, lost in a wild card game. This year, uh, guess what? He started on the wild card as a fifth seed. Last year, he at least had a home game to start out with. He was a fifth seed, so he basically had no guaranteed home games, except if he went to the Super Bowl. So on the road against the football team, Yes, he was playing a backup quarterback in Heineke, but he was more healthy than Alex Smith and more mobile, which caused fits for this Tampa Bay defense. His Tampa Bay defense didn't look good, but it was Tom Brady who carried them to that win. That is what he did. Uh, the connection between him and Chris Godwin, Cameron Brate, the pass to Antonio Brown, which was phenomenal. This was Tom Brady putting this Bucks team on his back and saying, hey, I'm not getting ousted in the first round. I'm not losing to Heineke in the first round. I'm like, we've come too far. We've accomplished too much to lose in the first round. That was his mentality. It's Tom's mentality. You, you have the Jordan mentality, the Mamba mentality, but you have the Tom Brady mentality, which few other quarterbacks or players possess. He is so good and so proved why he is better than Rodgers. And I'll get into that a little bit more in a little bit. But he was simply phenomenal against the Redskins. And then last week, he played against the Saints. Again, on the road against Drew Brees. Billed as Drew Brees versus Tom Brady. 
Uh, Drew Brees was not the better quarterback at all this year, but guess what? They had a healthy Michael Thomas. They had a healthy Alvin Kamara, who had, I think, the most scrimmage yards this year, most yards from scrimmage, uh, and a great, great defense who was able to solve the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the first two games this season. They were able to beat them and to really create a blueprint to beat this team. And guess what? They could not do it. They could not beat Tom Brady again. Most of that win last week against the Saints, I give credit to the Bucks defense. Devin White played phenomenal. Uh, I don't know. That was like Ray Lewis-esque type game with the 11 plus or whatever solo tackles, an interception, a forced fumble. I mean, that was how good his performance was on defense. It shows how important he was coming back from the, the COVID protocol and because he is a captain on that defense and he anchors that defense in a way that reminds me of watching Ray Lewis with the Ravens. That is how good he is. But also Sean Murphy bunting may place Carlton Davis, uh, shut down the uh, Michael Thomas, and they look good. And Tom Brady didn't turn the ball over, didn't make the big mistakes at all. He was simply phenomenal and was more than a game manager with some of the tough throws that he had to throw to. For example, to Tyler Johnson, which was a phenomenal catch, but Tom Brady had to make the throw and uh, just making the effective plays, not forcing the ball where it shouldn't be, what Drew Brees was doing, not throwing it into double-triple coverage what is what Drew Brees was doing. Uh, he won that game because of his game-making decisions, his leadership, his poise. He led by example, and the rest of the Buccaneers bought into it last week. So this week, again, he goes to Lambeau Field, where it's 20-something degrees, uh, the frozen tundra, the Buccaneers ship going there to face Aaron Rodgers, the most likely MVP this year. Was he going to win the connection between Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams? No, Aaron Rodgers would not prevail against the GOAT. Uh, Tom Brady was just too good in terms of his leadership. Again, when you saw him at press uh, conferences uh, after the game, everybody, everybody, I uh, talked about, everybody asked him about Tom Brady and what it means to his team, and everybody answered around the same it took, Bruce Arian says it took one man, and really, it's all good. They have basically the same team they did last year with Jameis Winston, who was 7-9. and 7-9, and nine. and now they're 11-5 and five into the Super Bowl. That is the difference one man makes. Guess what? Jameis Winston, he had Mike Evans. He had Chris Godwin. He had Ronald Jones. He had Cameron Bray. He had a healthy O.J. Howard. Uh, O.J. Howard hasn't played at all with Tom Brady. He's tore his, I believe he tore his Achilles. He hasn't played with him, but he's had Gronk. So Jameis Winston had all these weapons, but what did he do? Uh, 30 for 30 special. 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. All bite thrown for almost or for over 5,000 passing yards. Uh, most of those games he had to come from behind, so it was really stack yardage right there. But nope, it took one man and Tom Brady who's done this before. And he is now moving on to his 10th Super Bowl 
which is just insane. He's 6-3 and three in Super Bowls. Can he add another one? It'll be a tough test now facing his toughest test of the season. And Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Week 12 rematch. Uh, the Bucks got the best, or the Chiefs got the best of them with Tyreek Hill running all over that defense. But to me, this defense is playing a lot better as Super Bowl. Uh, both quarterbacks have experience with Patrick Mahomes and that roster being there last year. But to me, Tom Brady has all the experience in the world. And it wasn't just uh, Tom Brady that won this game. When you look at the numbers, uh, this game was fairly comparable in everything in terms of yards, downs, third down efficiency. All the numbers were pretty close, give or take, you know, 20, 30 yards on each side, but everything kind of added up to the same for these teams. But the key was, again, this Bucks defense was better than the Packers defense. I mentioned in the last podcast that in week six, uh, the Bucks sacked Aaron Rodgers five times. Five times, I think for like 53 yards, uh, Maybe it was 38, I forget, I'm confusing the game last year with the 49ers to this year, but I do believe it was 53, and I said, guess what, they're going to get after Aaron Rodgers again, and you know what, they did, they sacked Aaron Rodgers, oh, guess what, five times again, they got to him, Shaq Barrett and JPP on the edge were too much, I had a feeling with Bakhtiari out on the edge, uh, gone, the, their star left tackle for the Packers. The Packers, the way they use their offensive line, they kind of put their tackles out on those islands to contain those edge rushers. And the edge rushers were too much for Aaron Rodgers to handle. Uh, they sacked him five times, but there was a lot of pressure on him. Even when he wasn't sacked, he was forced out of the pocket, forced to run. And that's what caused one of his interceptions. Yes, I think Sean Murphy Bunting got away with a little bit of hold, but there was a lot of missed calls on both sides. The refs were really letting him play. Uh, so to me, that's not a big deal because the refs could have called some on the Packers that weren't called, so I was fine with that. No call. It was discreet enough except for the replay. So he threw that interception, which was huge. And then the Bucks defense caused a fumble, crushed Aaron Jones coming up and turned into another touchdown. So the Bucks got 14 points off of the two uh, turnovers by the Packers, but one interception and the one fumble, which was huge. So they were two for two in the red zone, which was huge. And this defense came up big, albeit Antoine Winfield, their star safety going out and their other safety getting injured in the middle of the game. So they were down both safeties, and they still came up huge on Aaron Rodgers and this Packers offense. That's how good this team was and a real team effort. And to me, this game really started off with Tom Brady playing so well in the first half. Uh, He was throwing dimes to Tyler Johnson, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, and some of them were drops. Uh, Tyler Johnson had a catch much easier than his catch he made last week against the Saints, and he dropped it. Mike Evans with a couple of drops. 
Leonard Fournette out of the backfield with a couple of drops. Chris Godwin uh, with a drop hit him right in the chest. But Chris Godwin did make up for it for, I believe, like that 50-yard long ball, which was a very difficult catch. It was kind of like a Hail Mary to him one-on-one, and Chris Godwin came up with it. I've got to give Chris Godwin props. That was an amazing, amazing catch. But he had to deal with drops. And when you look at, because I give Tom, I give Tom Brady an A for his performance, and people will bring out the three interceptions that he had, but not all those interceptions were on Tom Brady. They weren't. Uh, the one, guess what? It was in Mike Evans' hands, and boom, plopped into the defender's hands. Another one tipped from Mike Evans' hands. Interception. So these were not all on Tom Brady. Oh, and then the other one was where he uh, did play action. They didn't pick up the blitz correctly, so we kind of threw a Hail Mary to Mike Evans. And Mike Evans is looking around for the ball. Didn't know where it was at. He's just, oh, where's the ball at? Where's the ball at? Didn't know where it was at. So it was an interception. Uh, so I, that was just a bad combination of every player involved right there. But it worked out in the end because the Bucks got the win. But the highlight of the game, the key play uh, for, this, for this Bucks team was eight seconds left. Uh, first down for them uh, in the first half. And they throw a touchdown pass. A beautiful ball thrown to Scotty Miller for a 39-yard touchdown pass. He got behind the defense, got behind Kevin King, and made a spectacular catch. Tom Brady with a ball thrown right on the money. And it was so, so huge for this Bucks team. And it was huge because... It was fourth and one. They were going out to pump the ball. And you're like, oh, guess what? You can still run a play. If you don't get it, they're not likely going to score on any other play but Packers. So they do a quick slant, pick up the first down, and then throw that touchdown pass to Scotty Miller. That play was huge and really ended up being the ball game. Because if they would have settled for the field goal, this would have been a very, very different game but also Fournette looked good in the first half he popped off a run and to me uh this team looked so good even with those three interceptions that's how good this Bucks team was while the Packers they were two for four in the red zone and they really had no established running game especially once Aaron Jones uh got clocked by that big hit which is not a dirty hit just straight up in the chest and he was done for the rest of the game, and they didn't establish a running game. And Rodgers, uh, he put up, you know, good numbers, solid numbers, 33 for 38, 346 yards, three touchdowns, and that one interception. But he did not make uh, key decisions uh, late in the game, and he had his chances, really, at the end of the game to take the lead take plays, and they could not do it. They could not get it done. And guess what? Aaron Rodgers is their leader. He's the one they look up to, and he could not do it. The loss is on Aaron Rodgers. And I'm going to go to where it was 31-23. and 23. Everybody's talking about 
them kicking the field goal, Matt LaFleur calling the field goal, going for the field goal, and not trying for it on the touchdown on fourth and goal at the eight-yard line. But guess what? You had it first and goal at the eight-yard line, and guess what happens? Aaron Rodgers, incompletion. Guess what? Second down, same spot, eight-yard line. Another incompletion. So two straight incompletions. Then guess what? It's third down from the goal line. And another incompletion. And to me, this one's on Rodgers because he had a wide open field to run on that right hand. He escaped the defense, pressuring in and containing him. And he could have ran at least to the one, two yard line, if not a touchdown. He could have taken that thing to the house, I believe, as the defense was looking back. But guess what? Tried to force a pass in there to Devontae Adams and was incomplete. So three straight incompletions on Rodgers. Should have taken the run because guess what? If he gets down to the one or two yard line, they're going for it. Matt LaFleur is going for it. Uh, Basically a two-point play. They've been uh, good at those other than yesterday's game where uh, St. Brown uh, had a wide-open catch for a two-point conversion, and he dropped it. So that kind of other play that turned the tide of the game. But no, he was not good yesterday, not good enough to get this job done. And to me, when you look at Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship games, his performances are actually really poor. Uh, his record in NFC Championship games are 1-4. 1-4. Tom Brady, 1-0. But Aaron Rodgers, 1-4. He won his first one against the Bears in 2011. It was his only win 10 years ago. And he actually didn't even look good in that game. He only has 17 completions, 244 yards, and two interceptions. That He did not play well at all. The defense had a pick six, which really turned the game around and gave them a spark. So it was the defense that wasn't even Aaron Rodgers that carried this team to a win in the Super Bowl. It was their defense that did it. So to me, Aaron Rodgers doesn't even get credit for that win against the Bears. Then, against the Seahawks in 2015... He played even worse, 178 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. Didn't play well at all. Again, that Seahawks defense was ferocious that year, but guess what? They were up by much. Aaron Rodgers could have made some plays to ice the game away, and he couldn't do so. He played very, very poorly. So now, 1-1. One one. Oh, guess what? Two years later, 2017, against the Atlanta Falcons? He lost again. But did he put up better starts? Or, I mean, better stats? Yes, he did. 287 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. But guess what? They were down so big from the beginning. So this is kind of pat statting at the end. They were blown out. He couldn't make plays, couldn't get touchdowns, couldn't get them into field goal range early in the game uh, to where the game was already in hand by halftime. It was that bad. Again, all these on the road so far. So guess what? Last year against the 49ers gets another chance. Ooh, he's 1-2. and two. This would be huge for his legacy to get back to it. Plays the 49ers. And he puts up more pad statting stats. 326 yards, two touchdowns. Ooh, but two costly interceptions. And again, blown out from the beginning. 
the game was like 20 to 0 at halftime. Really no shot at this. So 1 and 3 in NFC Championship games. Uh, not good. He had the chance to course correct the ship. He wanted to get one at home in Lambeau Field. But guess what? He could not get it done yesterday in Lambeau Field. It's what he wanted. He wanted the fans out. And they lost. I've already mentioned his stats. But nope, he did not play good enough to win, and he choked. And uh, Tom Brady uh, showed how much better he is. Maybe he ha- uh, Aaron Rodgers has a little bit better arm in him right now. But Tom Brady's experience, his leadership, his decision-making is greater than every other quarterback in the NFL, especially Aaron Rodgers, who people give a lot of credit for his decision-making, not turning the ball over. But in crucial spots, he takes bad sacks, doesn't throw the ball away, and throws interceptions and cannot get the job done. That's the difference between Tom Brady, a goat, and Aaron Rodgers, who is a faux goat, is what he is. So Tampa Bay Buccaneers advanced to the Super Bowl. Good for them. It's a home Super Bowl for them. But what's next for the Packers? Aaron Rodgers. Hinted this could be it for him in his press conference yesterday. He wanted up thanking everybody. Uh, he w- w- seemed upset at the fourth down call that was on, called by Lafleur to kick the field goal and not go for it. They drafted Jordan Love. Didn't help the situation at the beginning of the year. So what's next for the Packers? I don't think he's leaving the Packers especially with his contract making like $36 million, then almost $40 million. I don't see it. This team is good enough. They're the best team in the NFC North, even if they lose some talent around them. They still got the key guys, uh, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. That's going to right this ship, but he's not going anywhere. I don't expect him to go anywhere. I don't expect LaFleur to go anywhere. And when you look at this championship loss isn't on LaFleur, last year's isn't. Because guess what? He lost two with Mike McCarthy. He was one and two. I mean, he couldn't get it done in big games. Why they fired him? LaFleur can't get it done. So to me, Aaron Rodgers is really the only common denominator throughout the last 10 years who's been with him all these 10 years. Aaron Rodgers has been with him. He's the common denominator of the losses. Not LaFleur, not Mike McCarthy, not the offensive coordinator, not Devontae Adams, not Aaron Jones. Uh, none of those guys are the X Factor for them. It is strictly Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is the only one to blame. The Packers will be back strong next year. I foresee him winning the NFC North again. Uh, even though he hinted at it, I do not see him going anywhere. And I expect another strong season from Aaron Rodgers and this Packers offense. I would be very shocked if Aaron Rodgers went anywhere else. I would. It would be huge. Major ramifications. Again, he's older now. But guess what? Tom Brady's old, and look what he's doing. He's the best at 43 years old ever to do it, 40-plus ever to do it. So Tampa Bay is going to the NFC Championship game. Then, after that, was the AFC Championship game. Who from the AFC was going to advance? The Buffalo Bills or the Kansas City Chiefs? And guess what? The Kansas City Chiefs, Got it done. They win. They advance to the Super Bowl. So the stage is set. Kansas City Chiefs versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. But how did Tampa Bay or how did Kansas City win this game? 
would the Buffalo Bills just look bad, or was this dominant performance by Kansas City? Well, it was a little bit of both, I believe. It was Bills' lackluster performance and play, coupled with just great Kansas City Chiefs. That's simply all it was. Uh, Bills uh, did not look good in the red zone. They were two for five. I believe settled for too many field goals. I respect uh, Coach Sean McDermott's point of just wanting points up. But when they had that potent of an offense this year, like number two in all categories, I believe you should have gone for it. Trusted your young quarterback and Josh Allen to get it done. And then trust your defense to hold them instead of just kicking field goals. Because when Kansas City is putting up touchdowns and seven points, matching it with three points is not going to get you the win. Josh Allen didn't look good yesterday. Uh, the performance I thought was going to happen last week from Josh Allen against the Ravens, uh, going back to rookie mode over there, uh, was not was the case yesterday, not last week. 28 for 48, 287 yards, two touchdowns, interception, uh, 60 QBR. He was really not good, looked uncomfortable in the pocket. Uh, Chris Jones got after him. The secondary harassed him with forcing incompletions. So really, not a good day by Josh Allen. But he was also their leading rusher with 88 yards. And you know they're not going to win the game when Cole Beasley is their leading wide receiver. He had 88 yards. If you tell me that before the game, if Cole Beasley is going to be their leading wide receiver, I do not see a Bills win in any sight. The connection that's been special all year between Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen, the reason why they were in that big game yesterday is a reason why they would have to advance to the Super Bowl was because of that special connection. And Josh Allen let Bill's Mafia down. He's made them proud so much this year, but to me this loss is on him and a little bit of a play calling from Sean McDermott. Uh, It was huge for Josh Allen. This game was... And he did not show up in any great fashion at all. Quite the opposite. So the Kansas City Chiefs were just simply the better team yesterday in all aspects. More first downs. Way more efficient on third down by almost 30%. 100 more passing yards by Patrick Mahomes. He played amazing. Almost had a perfect game. 29 for 38. 325 yards, three touchdowns, and a 96 QBR. Insane in an AFC championship game. He just took it to him. And I'll I'll probably get, I'm going to save these two stats and I'm going to get into another side conversation. Is Tyreek Hill, again, played amazing. Nine receptions for 172 yards. He simply ran around the joint. One of his catches, he traveled a total distance of over 100 yards to get the Chiefs down there to like the Buffalo 5 or something like that. He was simply spectacular all night long. Travis Kelsey, the safety blanket, but much more than that with Patrick Mahomes in there. He's basically a wide receiver out there. 13 receptions, 118 yards, and two touchdowns. The best tight end in the game that looks so good. So they have the best tight end in the game and arguably the best wide receiver in the game, depending on who you talk to. But if not top three, top five, he is that good. 
And people want to bring up, oh, Patrick Mahomes having these weapons. Oh, give Aaron Rodgers those weapons. Give Russell Wilson those weapons. Heck, give Tom Brady those weapons. And they'll put up the same type of numbers for Patrick Mahomes. And I agree. Uh, you put like a Deshaun Watson even there as well. You put great quarterbacks on the Chiefs. And guess what? They'll put up similar numbers. I do agree. Um, you put worse quarterbacks up. Guess what? Those weapons won't mean much. Uh, if Chad Henney was a full-time starter here. Uh, Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey wouldn't be doing much, but it is the special brilliance of Patrick Mahomes is what makes the Chiefs great. Yes, you add Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey into that equation, but with that Patrick Mahomes, uh, Y does not equal MX plus B. It simply does not. Uh, The way he plays the game, his scrambling out of a pocket, his making throws, the free plays where, oh, it's dead, Oh, out of nowhere. Oh, a 50-yard bomb to Tyreek Hill. Uh, it is because of Patrick Mahomes' brilliance in the pocket. And can he scramble to get yards? Yes. Is it scary when he scrambles? Yes. You don't want to see him get hurt. But it's his brilliance in the pocket. It's his authority back there as a pocket passer, which makes him so great. And which makes these other players step up and really elevate their game, it's the accuracy of Patrick Mahomes, the precision, the tight windows that really only Patrick Mahomes can throw. There's some throws I see from him that I can't see any other quarterback in the NFL making. It doesn't matter what wide receiver or tight end is out there. It doesn't matter who's blocking. Only Patrick Mahomes can make certain throws. That is how good he is, folks. And it is a simple joy to watch him play it is amazing and brilliant to watch him play I think he'll go down as the second greatest of all time it's going to be hard for him to match any of Tom Brady's records especially from a longevity standpoint but this man Patrick Mahomes much love for him is so special so fun to watch Daryl Williams at a 52 yards and a touchdown That was uh, big for them. Uh, They don't really run the ball much, but just having that option does do a lot for them. And I thought, actually, that this game might get ugly when McCole Hardman uh, fumbled, muffed that punt return at set up a Bills touchdown to go 9-0. I know that that you're the Chiefs, you're playing the Chiefs. You never are comfortable with just a 9-point lead. Uh, we see him come back from, you know, double digits all the time in matter of minutes, it seems like. So I wasn't too nervous, but I thought with the Bills' high-scoring offense and how good they looked this year, that, uh-oh, this could be that shootout. You don't want to get down too early if this is a shootout. But guess what? The Chiefs' defense stepped up with, again, Chris Jones pressuring him on, pressuring Josh Allen. This secondary just... Playing, as Tony Romo said yesterday, sticky. It was sticky coverage. They were on them like a glove, those uh, wideouts. Tyran Matthew played great. Sneed played great until he went out. Tredavious Ward played great. I mean, these D-backs played so, so well. And you've got to give Steve Spagnuolo credit for that and his defensive performance because it was simply so good the way he called that game on defense. But now they had a huge loss 
and their left tackle, Eric Fisher, out with an Achilles injury towards Achilles. Huge loss for the Chiefs, having their left tackle, Eric Fisher, out. Uh, so amazing uh, protection on the left side, uh, stud out there. To me, I think this is going to be very reminiscent of the David Bakhtiari injury that just happened for the uh, Packers. The Packers were able to get through this and beat the Rams, but the Rams are not as good of a team as the Bucks were. That's why the Bucks won. And to me, the Bucks are a better team than the Bills, especially their defense is better than the Bills. So what JPP and Shaq buried after what I just saw on the Packers offensive line, who everybody totes is the greatest, even with Bakhtiari out, uh, is huge. And that's going to be a huge X factor coming up in the Super Bowl when we do our Super Bowl picks. But what is next for the Buffalo Bills? Uh, big, big season for them. Uh with I oh no I think they were twelve and twelve and four thirteen and three yeah thirteen and three huge win huge year for them winning the division getting to the AFC championship game bringing Bills Mafia back uh, the glory days uh, everybody hopping on them so it was just just amazing to actually see them play this well and have Bills Mafia be so had and actually to see fans there. For Bills games, or for that one Bills playoff game, it was amazing. So next year, uh, guess what? Josh Allen is coming back. Stephon Diggs is coming back. He was Stephon Diggs was the only one out on the field watching the AFC Championship Celebration Parade uh, show for the Chiefs. Guess what? That's just extra motivation for Stephon Diggs. He's going to fire up this team to me. Uh, Josh Josh Allen is the quarterback. He's like the natural leader. But to me, Stefan Diggs is that fiery, passionate leader. He's the one that's going to rally that group together and say, hey, I was out there watching it. You guys weren't. It sucked. It sucked to watch the Kansas City Chiefs win. And guess what? It's going to change next year. I expect the Bills to be back. The AFC is stacked with young quarterbacks, young talent. And I expect nothing less of the Bills than at least competing for another Super Bowl, getting to another AFC Championship game. So congratulations to the Bills on a great season. But guess what? Next is the Super Bowl. Super Bowl bound again. Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus Kansas City Chiefs. It's going to be a fun one. The GOAT, Tom Brady versus young stud, Patrick Mahomes. What a matchup it'll be. Spectacular players on both sides of the ball. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Leonard Fournette, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Nicole Hardman, and then defense, Chris Jones, Tyron Matthew, Devin White, Levante, David, Shaq Barrett, J. Oh, it's going to be amazing. I can't wait. Uh, this is the most excited I've been for a Super Bowl in probably my whole life. Most excited I've ever been. This is going to be the greatest Super Bowl, greatest storyline between quarterbacks it has ever been. At least for me. At least for me in my years of watching football. This is the best. I've been around for 20 years, and this is the best storyline there is in sports right now. In the NFL right now is this Super Bowl. It's huge. It really is. But guess what? Before... We get into those picks 
that preview of the game. There was more NFL news this past weekend. Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions have agreed to mutually part ways. Uh, Matthew Stafford requested a trade. Detroit Lions are honoring it. Huge news for the Lions. I'm a huge Lions fan. Uh, I rep Detroit Lions. Parents are from Detroit. So is this a good uh, thing for the Lions? Is this good to trade Matthew Stafford? No. No, it's not a good thing for them. Guess what? Matthew Stafford uh, is that give-your-all type of quarterback. And it's not just to give-your-all and, like, uh, he's mediocre. He is a really good quarterback. Guess what? In the nine, he's played, like, 11, 12 seasons. Nine of those seasons, he's played six, 16 games. Eight of those nine seasons, he has thrown for over 4,000 yards and 5,000 yards once. He is amazing. Over 45,000 yards in his career. 282 touchdowns. 38 game-winning drives. Guess what? He's a winner, and he wants to win. Uh, 74 wins in his NFL career, and he spent it all with the Detroit Lions, the most decorated quarterback ever in Detroit franchise history. And he is no longer going to be on the Detroit Lions in a very short while. I think this is terrible for Detroit Lions, Detroit Lions fans. Uh, you already have a lot of X-Factors all around this team. Uh, both your, All your like wide receivers are free agents. Kenny Galladay, Danny Amendola, Marvin Jones, all free agents. Uh, your defense is terrible. One of the worst in the league. You have so many issues to shore up there from linebacker to defensive line to secondary help. And now you had one constant in Matthew, Matthew Stafford, and he's gone now. Now that's just another thing to replace, another headache to add to Brad Holmes, the new GM, and Dan Campbell, the new coach. A headache they really don't want and shouldn't have wanted. They should have fought for Matthew Stafford. They should have, I don't care what you should have done. I don't, I don't think he should have got more money, but they should have promised him something, got him some new people, and set up to where they could win. I would have smooth-talked Matthew Stafford into just staying with the Detroit Lions because he is huge, a huge success for this organization. So to see him go is just another blow to the Lions. Lions is the Lions. And to just mediocrity of the NFL is just really what it is. And that's the only way to put it is how mediocre the Lions are, how they treat their star players, Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, now Matthew Stafford. That's all it is on the Detroit organization part is mediocrity. And that term mediocre is forever, forever tied to the Detroit Lions in the NFL. I'm sorry. But I'm going to root for Matthew Stafford wherever he goes. And guess what? Uh, there are a lot of teams out there that need quarterbacks. And guess what? Stafford has a great arm, a great decision maker. Yes, he maybe turns the ball over a little too much. He's no Aaron Rodgers in that regard. But guess what? He drives the football down there. He gets touchdowns. He throws the yards. And he can put you in spots to win games. I do believe that. So you have 49ers interested, Colts interested, football team interested. Every team that needs a quarterback is probably interested in Matthew Stafford. Uh, I don't want to see him go with the 49ers. Uh, same division as Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. Uh, Rams defense uh, 
but I, I don't want to see him there. I would like to see him go to the football team or the Colts, preferably. The Colts, if they can get a deal done without sacrificing too much, because they have one of the best offensive lines in football, protection for Matthew Stafford would be huge, huge for him. Uh, playing with uh, one of the best defenses he's ever played with in his life would be huge. Uh, the only thing you would need would be like a true number one wide receiver because you got a great uh, running back combo, great rushing duo in Nines and Taylor, but just finding a true number one wide receiver to complement this team would be amazing for the Colts if Matthew Stafford were to go there. I think that would put the Colts as Super Bowl contenders. That's what that would make them, getting a one wide receiver and getting Matthew Stafford elevates them to division favorites, uh, Super Bowl, not Super Bowl favorites, but definitely a contender in there with the BASC. That would be fun to watch. Again, I'm so sad to see Matthew Stafford leave Detroit. He meant so much to Detroit and the Detroit fans. I loved him. I loved watching him on Detroit. He was the only reason I watched the Lions turn on the TV because guess what? Even if they're down, he's going to find a way to come back, make it a close, respectable game. If he has any shot at it, he's all heart. And I love Matthew Stafford, and I wish him nothing but the best going forward. He's so good. So now, going into NBA news, I'm going to do my quick top five. Real quick is number one is the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, I talked about them beating the Bucks last week. Guess what? They showed up against the Bulls this weekend and just slaughtered them. They crushed them. Anthony Davis had his best game of the season, and they look so good from the jump. So guess what? The reigning champions, tied for the best record in the NBA, get to stay at number one. LeBron in AD is just too much for most, if not all, teams in the NBA. Number two is the Clippers. They have looked so efficient as of late, especially this last week. They've won seven straight. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, the best two-way player in the game. Paul George, playing lights out. Uh, This team kind of finding chemistry, getting it together, is huge for Coach Ty Lue in getting it done. Number three, the Utah Jazz. And they have played so amazing, making like 16 threes a game. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is playing out of his mind, averaging 27 a game. And guess what? I think Donovan Mitchell is going to be playing even better the whole rest of the year. And I actually see them as going to the, uh, what's it called? The conference finals and facing the Lakers now. Why do I say that? Well, Shaq gave him the extra motivation needed. Guess what? He's going to give everybody on the Jazz extra motivation. Uh, After a Jazz win, he told, uh, Shaq told Donovan Mitchell, guess what? Uh, You're a great player, one of my favorite players to watch, but guess what? You just don't have what it in you to take it to the next level. You know, who says that? Guess what? You're not a coach, Shaq. Yes, you have rings. Yes, you're one of the greatest of all time, but you're not a coach. You're not in that team. You're not in that locker room. Guess what? He's just going to play on his chip on his shoulder and play even better now. You already got after Rudy Gobert. 
beginning of the season. You know, stop adding fuel to the fire and getting mixed up into this mess because Donovan Mitchell is a superstar in the making. Uh, he's so elite. He's right on the cusp to me of being a bona fide superstar top dog in the league. He's that good. Number four, the Philadelphia 76ers. And guess what? Doc Rivers is a great coach, one of the greatest coaches in the league. It's just been, it's not been his regular season success because he's had regular season success. It has been his playoff performance and playoff success. And guess what? They are rolling right now with Joel Embiid at number four. They're trying to win as much as they can to lock up home court because they are just so much better at home for some reason. And that would be huge for this team, especially for Doc Rivers going forward because he is so good. Then, number five, it was tough for me because you got the Nets, you got the Celtics, you got the Bucks, but I had to put the Nets at number five because the Nets beat the Bucks last week. That means so much uh, having that head-to-head win, especially with the new look. Nets, uh, Kyrie didn't play, but Durant and Harden look good. With Kyrie back, that offense looks even better. Great on offense. So good on offense. But guess what? They really can't play defense. They can't get stops. And I mentioned that on an earlier podcast, but it's just going to be so important more all of you, all the more so going into playoff games, getting trying to get to the finals, is playing defense. Because guess what? When you're in playoff games, uh, very rarely are the scores 130-120. Guess what? Defense shows up. In basketball, with the extra day's rest, uh, it will mean even more, especially when you're playing against uh, elite defensive teams like the Lakers and the Clippers. How do you expect to just get 130 points on them? Guess what? You're not. That's huge. College basketball news. Guess what? Michigan won, moved up to number four. That pick was right. Uh, But now guess what? They have a two-week pause on activities from uh, a new strain of uh, COVID-positive-related tests. So that's huge for them. What's Michigan going to be like in two weeks? They've just been rattling off win after win, dominant performance after dominant performance. So is this going to be the thing that slows them down? Is this going to be the straw that broke the camel's back? Is this all going to be a facade afterwards when they come back? Or is this Michigan team a real deal and no matter what? adversity you put in their way, they're going to overcome it. Uh, I think this is going to be difficult for them, not just to overcome, but to get back on another roll, come back after these two weeks. But I think Michigan's still going to be good, still the best of the Big Ten this year, but it definitely, definitely hampers, uh, I think, their chances of gaining that number one overall seed or just a number one seed in the tournament. That's how big that is for the Wolverines. Then, you also, tonight, you have Syracuse and Virginia. Is this an upset watch for Virginia? Uh, I don't think Tony Bennett's going to let that happen. I think Virginia's going to win big over Syracuse tonight. Then, a total top 25 matchup. Number 10, Texas Tech versus number 10, West Virginia. That's going to be huge. I'm excited to watch that one tonight. Uh, West Virginia, just a slight, slight 
home favorite, but I've got to roll with the Red Raiders on this one. Uh, Texas Tech has looked good recently knocking off Texas. To me, their team is really good. They put together a great team. I'm going with Texas Tech to pull off the upset. To me, it's not really the upset. To me, they've looked like the better team. But I know West Virginia being home, they get the benefit of a doubt. But I'm sorry. I'm going with Texas Tech. Then, NHL, uh, we did our picks on Friday. The Penguins, I won. Luca lost that. I'm a Rangers. Blackhawks, me and Luca both picked the Blackhawks against the Red Wings. And then Coyotes, uh, Luca beat me. I picked the Golden Knights. So that was huge. Tonight, Senators and Canucks. Really not a huge game. I'm not even going to pick that because I don't like either team uh, in Canada. And it's not even going to be a fun matchup. I ain't even watching. Not even wasting my time watching that game. But there was huge NHL news this past weekend. And that was the trade between the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Winnipeg Jets. The Columbus Blue Jackets traded away disgruntled star Pierre Luc Dubois to the Winnipeg Jets for Patrick Laine and another forward, Ross Levick. And to me, Columbus is the winner of this trade. Yes, they give away a star center in Dubois, but they gain almost a point per game score. And Line, who is just so gifted at scoring, can put the puck in the net from anywhere. He's that good. And they have a playmaker in Roslovic who can play wing, who can play center, uh, who's a bottom six forward, but is an important role player, I can believe, for the Blue Jackets. But Patrick Line is a star. It's going to be interesting to see how... Uh, John Tortorello pairs with him because he doesn't pair with stars well. I'm sorry, he doesn't. So I want to see Patrick Laine succeed there. If he doesn't, Tortorella, sorry, it's your time to get traded. It's your time to go somewhere else. That's just how it is in this business. It's a player's league. Players dominant in the NFL, NHL, MLB, NBA. It's players dominant. That's how it is. So you ain't going to adjust to a player. You ain't going to give props to a player. You can see yourself out of there, John Tortorella. I'm sorry. Patrick Liney, I expect the Blue Jackets to be really good, even with that shaky head coach that I just mentioned. You don't know what tirade you're going to expect from him. And for the Jets, uh, to me, the Jets were playing really well. Uh, underrated team that was ascending and could make a run for it in their division. And to me, it was kind of surprising trading away uh, two good players for uh, Dubois, who's not a true number one uh, center because they have Shifley. But, you know, now you can move Paul Stastny down to the third line. You can put Dubois there on the second line. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, their line switch-ups, see how they play. Because to me, they had a rhythm going. It's going to see how Dubois fits in with this team. But I do expect him to fit in well. But I do not give it as high as a grade. I give it like a B for this trade where I give the Jets or the Blue Jackets an A. So that's huge. And then I predicted a Conor McGregor knockout in the first or second round, and that blew up in my face because it was Dustin Poirier who knocked out Conor McGregor in the second round. Conor McGregor did not look... He looked sharp in the first round, won the scorecards. He was throwing punches, getting after him, but the leg kicks, the persistent leg kicks by Dustin were too much for Conor to overcome. He wasn't really countering them at all, in that first round, he was just taking the abuse 
to his leg to where his calf was like was basically broken. Dustin broke his calf at the end. He countered like two or three times on the leg kicks, but it was too late. He couldn't move that leg, and then Dustin Poirier just knocked him out. Just a flurry avalanche of hits, and it was too much for Conor McGregor to overcome. To me, after that win, Dustin is the best lightweight in the game. No question about it. Uh, I would honestly like to see a rematch between Dustin and uh, Habib, but I don't think Habib's coming back. His belt's going to be stripped. You can give it to Dustin because he looks like the best in the game. And then you have a title shot uh, rematch with Dustin and Conor McGregor because guess what? Conor beat him as a featherweight. Uh, Dustin's now beat him as a lightweight, one and one. So to me, that rematch would be huge. And to me, uh, it's more huge for Conor McGregor if he loses. Uh, he's no longer face of the fight game, no longer notorious, no longer whatever. Whiskey deals, that's basically the only thing he'll be is proper number 12 up in there. I like Conor McGregor, but that loss was huge for him. Yes, you lose. Yes, he was inactive. I get all that. But he needs to have a streak of fights and win a lot of them. So that's huge. Then, uh, stock news, the GameStop stock GME went up insane today. Uh, opened huge to like 100, got up to 159 before it crashed to like 80. So this was a huge short squeeze and people made a ton of money out of it suspended throughout the day but if you got in early at GameStop like two weeks ago when it was at 18 bucks and you wrote it today and sold it at 159 props to you that's what I should have done but props to all you guys then that one division episode was so good I like the first two episodes I was on my shop for the first two but this two in color number three was just so good uh, it was funny with the pregnancy scenes with uh, Wanda and Vision. Uh, I forget her name now, but her mentioning uh, Pietro, Wanda's brother, and then she gets kicked out of their little world. Uh, I didn't think it was Wanda's world after that. It's like, it doesn't seem like Wanda's controlling it, but she's in there, but she can control parts of it. Now, what happens? What goes on from there? I am so excited. I wanted to. Just wish every episode was out so I could binge watch the show and talk about it. Because that episode was amazing. What they're doing at Marvel is still tier one better than anybody else in the game. Now, my get your goat take. My final take is Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback than Josh Allen right now. Yes, Josh Allen had an MVP campaign, but... You put Baker Mayfield on that Bills team, guess what? He's better. You put Josh Allen on this Browns team, he's not as good as Baker. To me, Baker's a better quarterback, better arm talent, has the swag. Uh, He's just that dude, and Josh Allen, to me, isn't that dude. I'd rather have Baker Mayfield on my team regardless. But that is my Get Your Goat take. This has been the Get Your Goat show, Get Your Goat podcast. Josh Moran again, Uh, happy to be here with you all. Again, if you like this, subscribe, uh, comment, uh, rate, please. Uh, Excited for more feedback and excited for the show going forward. This has been Get Your Goat. Bye, everybody.